The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. I'm Dave Hawkins, and you've got the antidote. I'll be honest, I haven't been watching the news much lately, and I'm not trying to live with my head in the sand, but really it's all too depressing. So I've been taking a break from the news. Then I began getting into the new Wolves at the Gate album, Eulogies. The opening track, Peace That Starts the War, could actually tie into the situation in Ukraine when the song says, Scratching and Clawing. These voices fight for my life. They're saying, this is who you are. You're a fake. You're a sham. You aren't fooling no one. I mean, is there anyone outside of Russia who actually believes Putin? 
Tonight, The Antidote will be joined by Stephen Sorrow of Unteachers, who comes for a talk about the band's new split EP. That comes up in just a few minutes, but first we bring in a song with a sad story. The band is absent from the body. Their lead vocalist and main songwriter, Jason McMahon, passed away on March 27th of last year. This world's disease is Jason's final piece of his legacy.
Stephen Sarrell is the man in front at Unteachers. It's good to have you back on The Antidote. Yeah, man, thank you. You know, it was 2014 when we last spoke. So, so yeah. now everyone will want to know, why has it been so long for something new from Unteachers? Oh, because, I mean, the easiest answer is because we became dads. I think that when I talked to you last, I was either just brand new dad or just becoming. So I, I, there was nothing in my talking to you that was an experienced father in any sense. But very quickly after that, my life changed drastically, poured my entire time and energy into family life. And then the two guys that were with me during that album, we kind of broke up as a band right around the time the album came out. It's the worst <laughs> possible time to promote an album when you have no band. And they were ahead of me with family stuff. So that's kind of why. But then I got really busy and just could not spend the time. Right now, on Teachers is me and Rick, uh, who was in Tantrum. And really, it was the if anybody knows the Tantrum era, the heart is a two-headed sperm. That was me and Rick. Mm-hmm. And the music that we've created, just the two of us, has always been the strongest music. And he also became a father around the same time. So we both find ourselves in that weird spot now where we're still raising young children, but we've allowed ourselves to get to a point where we, we have a lot of music built up. So that's why it took so long. And I also did some solo music in 2018 as well. We have to flesh out something that you just mentioned. Tantrum sure. is Tantrum of the Muse which was your previous band, which is the ultimate Christian underground band of all time. Yeah, I, I often wonder if anybody even remembers it or thinks about it. It's been a long time. It's been 20 years. You know, the best part about Tantrum of the Muse is that that's the coolest band name I've ever heard. <laughs> I always thought the War on Drugs had the best band name. Totally different style of music, of course. Uh, you know... And it's funny because I'm the person who, totally removed from 20 years ago, can still look fondly on that era. And I'm ultimately really impressed that we knew nothing about music, including playing music, and somehow managed to create those two albums. And I kind of am proud of the idea that those, those albums came together out of different things than just musicians who play music well. Like, we came together in a different energy completely. And somehow that came out. And particularly if you saw us live, you would understand where that band was coming from. It was a totally different experience. It's almost like we shouldn't even have recorded the CDs because, you know, it did not capture anything of what we were like as a powerful energy that just kind of exploded on people. But um, I'm very proud of those albums for sure. But I'm so removed from them too. And Rick especially has no interest in thinking about the past. I've often asked him like, would you ever reunite with Jim? Rick just has no interest whatsoever with the past, with, with that band. He sees that era of his life as a sin. Seriously? Well, he was really, he was in a bad spot in his personal life, and that was kind of part of it. So I respect that view that it pulls out a lot of the dark stuff that he tried to get away from. And, you know, we were, we were definitely not in a good place spiritually. We, you know, we were just out of high school. Well, two of us. Jim's like way older than us. <laughs> um, but... He was the dad of the band, but he was probably the craziest one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're not there anymore, but I'm proud of those songs. Some of them, not all of them, but I'm proud, <laughs> proud of most of the songs. <laughs> well, let's talk about something that you may be proud of. 
<laughs> because Unteachers has come back with a split EP with Poland's Manta by Rostris. I thought I was the only person on the planet that actually knew that band. So <laughs> how did you connect with them? Well, you know, they're from Poland, so it's probably really difficult for a lot of like American and Canadian people to to connect with them. But And they don't come over here and play shows. And they don't perform in English. Yeah, it, that's true. We've only spoken as uh, email because because of that. They break the English down as best they can and are actually really good at it. I don't really ever feel like I'm talking to someone who can't speak English. They, they speak it really well in email form. Yeah, the way that came together was I have this really good friend named Jonathan Rapp, R-A-P-P. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just this guy who a long time ago he auditioned for Tantrum on bass. That didn't work out, but we kept in touch. And he's just been a really good supporter of basically all the things I've done since. And he got a <laughs> – you'll laugh, but he got a stimulus check. And he was like, you know what? I don't really care about this money. I just want to put some music out with it. And so he calls me up. He's like, I really want to do a split EP with you guys. They had asked me to do this prior to COVID, like, mm-hmm. or, or just, just as it was all happening. It took about two years, actually, to finally just get around to getting it all done. Um, 2020, I would say, we started. He said, I just want to use my stimulus check to put this split out. And he asked me, would I be on this split with Manta by Roasters? At the same time, they started messaging me, too. And that's how we all sort of met each other. And um, then I, I checked out their music, and I really enjoyed it. It's really good. I really like the sort of Middle Eastern. Some of it kind of reminds me of some Mr. Bungle and some more of that weird sort of Mike Patton era of music that I, that I really liked. And I really liked that they were straight up with their message, too. Like, like I'm just happy to be in a time in my life where I'm embracing the zeal of that a lot more, and I find mm-hmm. that more attractive. So when they showed me where they were coming from and some of our talks, I got really excited about working with them. Yeah, and then they waited for like two years for us to finish these songs.
wish I could help you out with the meaning behind Icona from Manta Barostris, but I've heard that English speakers find learning Polish to be almost impossible. So let's move to the other half of that split EP, as Stephen explains about what Unteachers gave to the release. We entered a studio and we were going to start tracking a new album there, and right in the middle of all the sessions, they lost their lease and had to leave. So this entire huge music studio had to be packed up and put into storage right while we were tracking. You know, <laughs> it's classic on teacher's luck, but we tracked more songs than what I ended up putting on the split. We wanted to give them a good, you know, 10, 15 minutes of music. So that's how that all came together. Steven, you know that I'm a huge fan of Unteachers. I mean, a human comedy. That took the number two spot on the Antidote's 2014 top 10 list. Who was number one? (laughs) (laughs) Kai Kai fantasize. They blew everything away. I'll check them out. I want to see where where my number two lies. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, that's cool, though. I thank you. I appreciate you putting me even that high on there. Thank you. Deservedly so. But, you know, (laughs) I got to say that you've really topped everything that you've done with your new song, A Spectre in the News. It's the best (laughs) song I've heard this year. Oh, wow. But I really think that if people were expecting the noise rock of a human comedy, they're going to be disappointed. This is totally different. Yeah, and I have been stressed about that, actually. Thank you for saying that, actually, because this gives me just a moment to clarify. When we were in the studio tracking, (laughs) I'm laughing because it's kind of ridiculous, but we we tracked a 12-minute long, really oppressive noise track called The Harrowing of Hell. And... That was going on the split. We were just going to hand them this like absurdly long, extremely dark, heavy, very heavy, but it's kind of a loopy thing that kind of just keeps going and, and, and it kind of drills into your head because it's like a loop. Sure. It's not, it doesn't really go anywhere except that it just gets louder and heavier and scarier. And um, we recorded this thing and we were going to turn it in and Spectre was going to be on the new album. And then we were going to do the cover that we did, the 274 cover, if you think. I'm looking at the songs, and I'm like, you know, we're, we're turning in a split EP with Manta, who have, like, songs with structure and have verses and choruses. We're going to give them this 12-minute long thing, and they're going to be like, what the heck? We waited this long, and this is what you gave us? <laughs> <laughs> so in the middle of tracking everything, I, I thought, Spectre doesn't fit with the album. And it's because the album is so much heavier and all that stuff's still there. But it's different, though, because songs are taking longer. We're doing a lot more slow burn. Things are becoming more like built up on vibe and then switches to real heavy stuff. It's definitely like Spectre-like in parts, but um, more consistently heavy. And Spectre just was like a 10-minute long pop single almost. At the time, I kind of panicked thought, well, maybe we should take it off the album because it's we have a couple other songs that are pretty long, and that one's pretty long too. So let's give them a good structured verse-chorus type of song and then take Harrowing of Hell and put that on the album. So that's what we did. We switched them. Then I started panicking, but like the first music people are going to hear since 2014 is a song that sounds nothing like what we've done before. Maybe that's going to immediately shut people down and go, well, they're done. Their glory days of heaviness and metal are done. But that would be vastly mistaken. That would be a terrible assumption because the full length that we're desperately trying to finish 
is one of the heaviest and most ridiculous things I have ever done. It is the best thing Rick and I have ever created. And I don't say that because I want to promote it and make it like sell 10 more copies. What we've brought into it lyrically and what brought on those lyrics, including death and fatherhood and fear and anger, just everything going on in culture right now, it is an intense body of work. And Spectre, believe it or not, was a weak track compared to the rest of it. So that's the long-winded version of why I did that. Well, you're leaving me out in the cold here because <laughs> I have no idea. So the album is coming out when? Oh, so hard to say because we were in the middle of tracking it and then gone studio, you know? So like You were uh, such a creep. Here you are, you're teasing everybody <laughs> with all this talk about all this music and how different it's going to be. And you have no idea when you're actually going to finish it. <laughs> I'm infamous for saying like, hey, we got a new thing coming out. It's going to come out eventually here soon. And then things take forever. But I will say, I have been painstakingly putting a studio together on the farm I live. It's actually pretty legitimate at this point. Not like top of the line studio. But I mean, nowadays you can do a lot with less things. And really, we've been buying a lot of the right microphones and just all of the gear that you would use. And we got ourselves enough equipment at this point that I think we can actually track it and it'll sound really good. So we're on our way, man. I'm, I'm not letting another year or two of this go by. Like, I need to get this out of my system because like, a lot of stuff happened in my life. It's actually more painful for me to keep myself in demo format. <laughs> like <laughs> this, this album needs to be finished because I need to move on. And I need to move on from some of the pain that came along with it. But it'll, it'll be done. It'll, it'll come out. I want to go back to the song, A Spectre in the News. The song closes with the line, I'm telling you I am crazy, but the truth remains the same. And that is something that will never fall apart. I need you close, so I come to you bearing it all. That's a serious song. Yeah. But what inspired it? Being a dad. It can be whatever people want it to be. I don't I don't like to dictate what the song's about. But for me, what, what brought those lyrics on was... I, I struggle with mental illness a little bit. Um, not like schizophrenia or, or anything like that, but just more just like um, really intense anxiety and some depression and things like that. And uh, there's parts of my life that I'm not proud of. And there's parts of my life that I don't want my kids to know. Not, not like it's like a big secret, but just more like you want to protect them. So the song is directed right at my children. It's like I'm singing to them and I'm saying... I want you to know the real me. I don't want to die and you not understand who I was or what I believed or what, what I thought was important. But then there were parts of me I don't want you to know. It's just that whole idea, like, how do you lead your family to truth when you struggle leading yourself there? You know, like, I lost my father in March of last year, like, coming right up onto a year. And I had to be an, an autopilot for my children. I couldn't fall apart. And I, I wanted to. I, I just hated it. I hated the whole experience. It was so painful, especially considering there's just a lot of guilt surrounding it and a lot of uh, just not knowing. And then all of a sudden you're like, how in the world did I not know this was happening? Mm -hmm. And it just, it just happened so fast. I mean, the song was written already before that happened, but it plays more into it now to me that uh, there's things about my dad I didn't know. And there's things about him that I only found out after he died. Just from, you know, everybody gathering at a funeral and then people sharing their experiences. And I'm like, I didn't know my dad did that. I didn't know my dad 
was charitable as he ended up being, like all this stuff. And it's like, why, why didn't I know that? <laughs> but there were things about my dad's life that were, that he only opened up about right before he died. You know, I get, you go to work, you come home, you do your dad thing with your kids and you don't really talk about some of your own pains and your own horrible things you go through, whatever, because you're just like protecting your kids. You just want yeah. your kids to have a good life. You don't want to throw the darkness of the world at them. You know, they're going to get there anyway. So why ruin it for them? Like, just keep it out of their life right now. But, but then you fear, like, do they know where I'm coming from for real? Do they really know me? So that's what the song really was. It was just dealing with that, dealing with, I have this darker part of my life, this mental struggle that I deal with and the sins in my life that I deal with. And I want them to know the real me with the dark stuff there as well. That's kind of what it is, just reflecting on that, just reflecting on being being somebody who's just super flawed. And the fear of putting that on your kids and the fear of them not knowing who you are.
The EP also includes a cover song by a band I'd never heard of. Do you want to fill us in? Yeah, so those of you who have been involved in the Christian scene long enough to remember the demo slash Lishan, it came out on, I believe it was Rex Records. This was a compilation that had all kinds of Believer and, you know, Hot Pink Turtle and all these things that came out in the 90s but kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. One of those bands was called Dadavahu. We had been going to see shows and we'd seen Bride and all this stuff. And Dadavahu was just this weird band that kept opening for uh, all these big bands. So then around the time we were doing Tantrum, come to find out that the Dadavahu guys are running this this place called the Soul House in Maryland, which is uh, in Elkton, Maryland, hence the title uh, The Bowels of Elkton on the Tantrum album. Because that was basically our house show place. We played there almost, not every weekend, but easily once a month. Luke Kaninsky is the brother of Matt Kaninsky, who's the singer of Dadavahu. He started this band called 274. And the whole thing with them is that they're just completely raw and there's not like layers to their sound. It's almost as if Luke picked up a guitar and just strummed something and just mostly was like spilling out these lyrics that he would sing. Like it was an honesty to his lyrics that were just kind of at the time was just so refreshing. And we always thought, wouldn't it be cool to take this song they played called If You Think? They made it kind of heavy on their own because it was just loud and it was just real raw, but they were never like a metal band. There was nothing really heavy about them. Mm -hmm. But we always thought, man, those that song and kind of the riffiness of it, it's kind of simple, but it's just a lot of open chords. Tantrum would just make that so heavy. And we joked about it and we talked about it. And said, yeah, one of these days we're going to cover if you think. And it never happened. Fast forward. Here we are. We got an EP to do. And we needed a track that wasn't going to be taking from our album material. So we, now's the time. Let's do that if you think cover. And let's just make it super heavy. So we did the Unteacher's version of it, which is taking a simple song and making it layered and heavy. Just making it bigger. And it's a great cover. I love it. But... I would tell the listeners, go go hunt down their album and and just kind of let that era of music wash over you and the honesty and the rawness of it. Well, I'll post that link on the website. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp. You can, you can get the digital. I don't know if the CDs are available anymore. Yeah, check it out. Well, listen, man, it's been great having you back on the show, Stephen. Thanks for the talk, and make sure that I get the first listen to the new album. Yeah, man. Thank you. I will definitely send it to you as soon as I have anything done. I'm excited, really excited to share it with people. Hey, this is Steven Saro from Unteachers, and you're listening to The Antidote.
We just heard Unteachers with their cover of If You Think. And earlier on, the epic length, A Specter in the Noose. I wasn't able to air my complete talk with Stephen Sarrow. Go to the AntidoteRadio.com interviews to hear our thoughts on COVID. So tonight I'm bringing in a mix of new singles that are all a bit on the heavier side. Echoes from Relentless Flood may not sound too heavy at the start, but you'll hear what happens.
This is Clank, and you've got The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. Don't go anywhere.
India has a huge Christian metal scene, and Raid is a big part of that. We just heard Shattered Beliefs from their Defiance album, which releases March 25th. Earlier on, Clank gave us the title track of Between Unholy and Divine. It's wild to realize that Clank has been making industrial metal music for almost 30 years. Next time on The Antidote, it's rock only. Jody Essex has said, Rock music is loud, it's energetic, it's liberating. You'll find out next week. Our final artist for the night has been hard at it for over a year putting this song together. It paid off. Here's Risen with Unbreakable. Enjoy this, and we'll see you next time. Peace. 